I to this day feel like uncomfortable talking to. Like, I think that's it, a hot it, topic. It, like Dad even would bring up the word sex. I think that's yeah. a funny thing too, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it because I that I want to talk about it today. Okay. You said please. You should start us off. All right, so this is the episode two of uh, the second floor, and. Uh, me, myself, is Yusuf. Let's uh, go ahead and introduce everyone. It's Cassius here, Omid. Yes, it's your boy, K-Flow, Kenny Bizzle. <laughs> Kenny, as those of you who know me very well, I'm very excited to introduce our first guest. Our on first guest. Very the first guest. Very first. Yes. On the Spotlight YEG series. Yes. Let's welcome KB Buller, everybody. Woo! Yes. What's up, everybody? It's me, KB. So, funny thing is, guys, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> KB is my brother. He has multiple names other than KB. I know him as Gugu. I know him as Kanwar. I know him as Kanwar Ajit. I know him as... What other names do you have, bro? Now, are these just depends, names man. that... Are these Depends. the names that kind of came up as you guys were growing old? or, or Gugu, Gugu was kind of my... My birth name. Mm. It was kind of the name that I was. Uh, I think I just had to get given a, a name that was just too damn complicated compared to everyone else. Like, okay, Kenny's Kenny, mm -hmm. and then my dad's Tony, and then my mom's Pammy, and then I'm Kanwarajit. And it's. <laughs> it kind of sucked growing up because, like, I'd ask them, I'd be like, what? I was like, Mom, Dad, why, why can't I have a normal name? Like Kenny gets Kenny. Why did I get Gugu, mm. and Kanwarji? Like it's a double fuck. Like because <laughs> you can't fucking, you can't go to school with either of those names with yeah. like an all white school. And so it just it was just. So tough. How did you introduce yourself as a kid? Like, would you hi and Google? <laughs> I did. I did at first because initially you think that's normal because yeah. all your life you only go with with that as being normal, but. Then when everybody starts laughing at you and calls you Goo Goo Gaga, and now I have all these repressed bad memories coming up, but... Here's, you know, here's my theory. Here's my theory. I think what ended up happening was, for those of you who don't know, as our other co-hosts might not understand, is KB's four years older than me, right? Yeah. So at th uh, upon the time him being born, that was when my parents were first immigrated mm. as immigrants into Canada, mm. right? So they're new to the town. They didn't have the names Pammy Tony. They stuck with their Indian names, Parminder and Bupinder, mm. right? They were hardcore about that shit. So get this. Upon yeah, but then why, why can I get a name like fucking Tommy? No, I think this is what happened. Or like I think Jimmy. This, I think or like <laughs> fucking... No, 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 but this is what happened. This was 91. Timmy. Right? So they named you Gugu. That was your home name. Like, you Gugu. Like, Gugu but, name, right? Like, they, look, you came out of the womb. But they gave themselves <laughs> Pammy, Tony, and you got Kenny. No, but this is what happened. 95 came. I got Gugu, dude. 95 came, then I came around. It's right? like a cruel joke. It's, it's and then they, I think from what dad told me... Firstborn, let's fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gugu is a little strange. It is yeah. a little... But that was supposed to be the home name. Everyone has their home name. Yeah. Right? Like, I get called Kenna at my house. That's girly. That's very girly. Mm. That's what I get called, though. So in 95, when I came around, I feel like that's when my dad, he was driving cab at the time, and he had somebody approach him, an Indian friend, and he's like, hey, Bupinder. And my dad's like, yeah, buddy. And the guy says, why you got such a big name? And this guy's name was Steve. Indian guy named Steve. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, Steve, actually, buddy, I don't know why. I know lots of people, they yeah. don't understand my name. So this guy, Steve, named my dad. 
he says oh my god you know what you know what bupender i think it's best you be called tony <laughs> and then my dad's like oh buddy i don't know why i think tony don't go with bupender right maybe <laughs> maybe you call me bob right <laughs> and for some reason steve's like no 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 when i see you you look just like a guy named tony <laughs> that's it like you look like i see you and i said this guy named tony <laughs> and i swear to god i'm not even shitting you bro this guy gave my dad the name tony that's wow. what my dad tells me you could ask my dad today and he says a cab driver named him <laughs> that's how wow. you get named that's, that's crazy. i want to get baptized in a cab that's what should have happened <laughs> maybe that is what happened maybe the same guy steve looked at me and he was like you look like a puck in a google and then that's that that's cool that's a way better story than what i have so far it's pretty neat right yeah. i find you know what that's what's cool about cultural names like i mean now living in the next generation yeah. i have this conversation with gugan all the time right I'm like, okay, well, are we going to give our kids crazy Indian names? She wants it. However, now, I mean, people are going in the direction of, okay, let's just stick with a legal, normal name. Mm. Because end of the day, you know what sucks? On paper, KB's name, Kanwarjeet. Mm. My name, Kanwarbir. We never actually get addressed that. Yeah. So the amount of times in job interviews and getting mm. jobs and telling people that, oh, you know, we go by this, but that's just our yeah, real yeah, name, yeah. it confuses everybody right it's just better to give a name that they can just run with mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's much easier yeah so okay. let's get let's uh let's get into kb's story a little bit yeah kenny yeah let's do it i mean i felt like you know what it's just fun because being so excited about having my brother on the show i felt like it could be more of a conversation yeah but uh, there are some pressing questions we could ask you buddy yeah, absolutely man right think, away uh it'd be pretty cool <laughs> to to ask kb maybe a little uh guideline a little background information of what he's doing right now and what big career move change he's recently made and uh, how that's been keeping him busy so far yeah of course big career move change i guess i could start with that first um i guess at the beginning of the beginning of this year um actually the exactly one year ago uh i finished my degree and then in in accounting and corporate finance oh, nice. and uh i got a i got a, a job at a prestigious firm and i began working there and then essentially throughout my entire college life i i felt like that the end of this degree was essentially like the beginning of a a new way of life for me essentially uh throughout college i was i was fighting professionally and then by the time my degree ended uh i kind of i really put that on the back burner and then just kind of gave myself to school for a while uh once i started this position however it just like it just didn't ring true with like what i thought it would be and um i just i had i just had to kind of like pull off the belt and be like yep you know what i'm 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 done with this. Like, I can't I can't do it anymore. It was just it just didn't ring true with like my ideals and uh I left that position and then realized that like you know I I think I really do need to fight full time that that's that's what I'm essentially best at. That's what I think I was meant to do in this life. What type of fighting? Uh mixed martial arts, sorry. Mixed martial arts. 
You know so, what's crazy about this guy? He's been fighting since he was 14 years old. I think that's a huge testament to how when somebody looks at what they're interested in and they look at what their passion is and they've been doing it from maybe right when 3.30 strikes, they go home, school's over, they get their milk in their system and they go straight to training. Mm -hmm. That's what they've been doing since they were 14. That's like, now what, 12 years? Close to 12 years? Yeah, yeah, it's been, yeah, over, to, yeah, 12 years. Yeah, 12 years of your life that you've been doing. And I understand, I think what's really cool about KB is he understood that he had to get his education first, get that out of the way, have mm -hmm. something to, you know, for lack Fall of a better term. Yeah. yeah, I think but that, that's the thing, though, right? Is I think that in hindsight, I don't, I don't think I would have done the same thing uh, with feeling like you have to get your education done first. I think that when you're growing up and maybe for, for listeners who feel like they're in like a similar predicament, when you feel like you're really excelling at a certain skill and, and you're devoted to it, that in the end will shine more than just like attending an institution and, mm -hmm. and getting yourself a piece of paper that says you're good at something. So why did you get into accounting in the first place? That, oh my God, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like there was a there was a validation and an esteem that goes with having a degree from a from business school mm -hmm. and uh accounting at the time was like feeling like it had a clear path mm -hmm. you get your degree you get a job you get your cpa designation and then you work your way to having a uh a middle-class life and like you have a steady secure lifestyle and it just went against literally everything that I did since I was a kid like it when you look at you know mixed martial arts and accounting they're on completely opposite sides of the spectrum there's there's no uh there's no alignment, right? And so now, like, I feel like it took me, you know, it's it's sad. It takes 12 years to realize that. But um, you need to, I think you need to have a sense of alignment with, like, your what you're choosing to devote yourself to in your life, you know? 100%. And just to, sorry, just to add on to that, um, and having that, I kind of went through the same thing in terms of having that accounting degree and knowing that that's kind of what I wanted to do essentially because I didn't have any other and any other information or knowledge as to what else was out there mm -hmm. um, and as I was growing up accounting just seemed like you know especially coming from an, you know a family that's immigrated to Canada you just feel like you know you have to pick a, a course or, or a destination that people will be proud of right? exactly yeah and then accounting just seemed again very straight path rather than going you know in, into science or becoming a doctor which just seemed so out there accounting yeah. was like ah oh, that's a bit more achievable right mm -hmm. and you went that route and then it just you come exactly on the other that. side and you're like it felt like the epitome of uh, of security yeah okay, yeah so it's probably a sense of fear so I just wanted to add something it's probably a sense of fear too while you were probably uh, fighting during your undergrad or during your degree there was a sense of kind of like oh like I can't I can't just get get give up my education and just go into full time uh, full time fighting you probably had a sense of oh I could do both yeah I at, did at a certain point right I did but at the same time um, 
even as I was in school, there was a there was a period of like two to two and a half years where I was just fighting and, and training full full time. Like that's mm-hmm. that's all I was doing, and um, it was it was like me finally surrendering to the fact that yeah, this is what I would want to do full time. But I think when when my bro- when my brother fought, and then he he had like a a, a terrible terrible injury. And um, my brother recovered from his injury and he moved on with his life. But like with me in my head, he didn't just move on with his life. He he overcame like a loss and he learned from it and then he got better and moved on and he fought again. But like with me, I'd never seen like, <clears throat> I'd never seen the the ugly side of MMA. I was always on like, the end of glory, like always on the end of winning. But I don't think, uh, I've had this conversation with Kenny before, but I never got a chance to see like the, the hurt and like the defeat and the pain and like being in a hospital, going through rehab for like six months and having your jaw wired shut like that, like that to me. And then seeing like my, when, when seeing my brother go through that pain, like, I think just mentally it really it really stuck with me for a long time but it stuck with me for a long time but he it didn't for him he was in the, the moments he was in the hospital he was already thinking like what his next move was going to be as he got out and how he was going to get better but I remember looking in the hospital at my cousin that day as we were in the waiting room and I was like I was like I think like this part of me just died and then after that, I was, like, picking up the pieces of trying to, like, figure out what to do. And then I found myself going through, like, a a business degree for a while. But always, like, questioning, like, questioning myself if this was, like, the the right path. Did a lot of that have to do with even taking care of me during that process? Could you say that you seeing what it was like on that end of, okay, this is what happened to an MMA fighter. And now this is what it looks like in terms of the grieving process of being a sibling or being a loved one of that particular fighter. And I'll, I'll say this in detail only because, for those of you who don't know, KB murdered his opponents, <laughs> being 4-0 undefeated, mm-hmm. each and every single one of them. One being a decision, however, even that one was a war. Every single one of his opponents was a clean KO. Mm-hmm. So just in terms of that aspect, I think that's how heavy it could look of, okay, what does it look like after you know, that one fighter broke their ribs, that other fighter hurt their neck, so on and so forth. Knowing what happens if you're on that side. Yeah, so I mean, just as that of a little background, what was it like being the loved one? Did that have a big effect? Not just thinking of what it could have been like just as a fighter, but what it's like being the loved one of that fighter. I I think so. I mean, I always like looked at it like, like this was my... My negative mode of thinking initially when this happened was that like when I when I was fighting, you know, I, I never had I, like I always I usually I always fight with no emotions involved, and when K- Kenny was fighting, the emotions were amplified like times one thousand. Like it was like it was so different than like when you were in there because it's someone that you really really care about. And 
I think afterwards I had these like just recurring visions of like what it was like fighting myself, but I'd pull myself away from it and I'd have like, for example, my, my last fight, um, it was a decision, but like the guy I was fighting had a laceration that opened up in his eye, like from here to here. And it was like three layers deep below his skin. And he needed like something like 40 stitches to like close it up. And then his nose was like broken. And then his like, his femur from like here to here was just like bruised deep to the bone from like eating leg kicks. Jeez. And he bled like, he bled so much like all over me to the point to where like, I remember when I got backstage and I started taking off my shorts, like not just my shorts, but I took off like my, my compression shorts underneath. And his like blood was like in my ass, like it was like, <laughs> it was like on my like it was like on my groin, like it was like all, like, all pulled up like on me, like, and I'm like showering, and I'm just like I'm not even really thinking about this because, because I was just thinking of it like a job. But then like as you're when you're taking off your wraps and everything, and like the dust is starting to settle, and you realize like, kind of what you've done like what you've done to another human being like it started to settle with me after the, after my brother fought like this is what we do to people okay so actually you know, I have a good question on that how how mentally how do you prepare yourself a not just before the fight but again to 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 know you're going to walk into the ring and you don't know this person like this person doesn't have any personal beef against you yeah right there's there's no personal um uh, there's nothing personal versus but just walking in and and knowing that you have to fight because that's what you do it's like how do you prepare how do you, yourself how do you instantly in your head become that fighter and be like yeah. like i'm ready to kill this guy yeah like, what's what's your preparation yeah. essentially for that i think like you, you kind of have to personally dissociate yourself mm. like you have to detach yourself from yourself as a person and them as a person and essentially just view yourself as a an instrument for the technique mm -hmm. and then you know allow that to paint the picture don't view it the more you view it as you as a person versus them as a person i think then you allow all the the things that go with being a person get involved such as emotion and yeah. and like impulse and whatnot rather than allowing just the technique itself to exhibit mm. the performance. So, yeah, I think, I think yeah. that's how I, I, I do I always it. wonder that. Like, I'll see, you know, MMA fights or, or, or now they have, like, bare knuckles that are coming around. And, you know, mm -hmm. it, so I always see that. And, and to me, I'm not a violent person. I always wonder, like, you know, what if I step in, in, in cage with one of these fighters? Like, will they attack me that viciously? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. Like, I have a good smile on my face. Will they just not think of me as a human? Will they just, like, how do you disassociate your, like, I, I liked your answer. I completely get it. But yeah, I always yeah. wonder that. And that's why I asked, like, how do you? You know, what's unique about that is even in my case, I always find that. I always talk about it with eye contact. Mm. I'll never look the guy in the eye. Mm. I will in the weigh-in. I will when we're about to touch gloves. But then immediately when the fight begins, I don't look at them as a human soul. Mm. I'm looking at that person like it's a body that I need to get through in order to move forward. So it's it's when you flick that switch right away, right? When you can immediately understand that, you know what? 
I signed a consent form, he signed a consent form, we're ready to go to war. And ultimately, that's what it is. You understand that yeah. this person has signed their life away. Yeah. So you are going to do whatever it takes to run them down. But then the beautiful part about that is as soon as the fight's over, you could be best friends with the guy. you know. And it's immediate. There's been, in my last match I had when I debuted in my first kickboxing fight, me and that guy after, we're, we're insta-hoes to one another. We're liking each other's stuff. <laughs> we're, we're commenting on each other's shit. But that's the same guy that, you know, we walked in for three rounds and we were, we were ready to kill each other. Mm-hmm. What's unique about it, though, is the fact that we both knew what we were signing up for. So when you know that that's about to happen, that, I feel like what you're getting at is like that guilt or that feeling yeah. of, oh, I don't, I don't want to elbow this guy. It's yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. really, you know, I could, I could kill him. Like, yeah, I could break his job. But yeah. you know what? We signed up for it. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And I think even for my personal case, when I did get that hurt, yeah. And when I did almost, you know, reach a point where I didn't know if my face was going to get put together, I just understood. I realized that, you know what, worse come to worse happen to me, you have to accept it. Mm. And, you know, you just have to hope and rely on a team, your family, uh, doctors to get you back to where you were or even better. In so as, cases, as, right? in, in mentality wise, like how, no, no, that's probably a question for both of you, like mentality wise, how do you... Um, how, how does one get to a point where they're ready to go to war and, and know that whatever the outcome is, they'll be okay? I think you just got to be at peace with the fact that you won't, you might not be okay. Mm, it's, kind sure. of, it's kind of the thing that you just have to make peace with that. Uh, so you, you it's like, do, um, do you have any, any rituals for every fight? Is there, is there something that you do every single, or maybe even tra- in training that you do to get yourself into that mental state? No, I think that like, uh, I think that once you be, you begin like cutting the weight and like you realize like what is, uh, like you, once you begin to get into the routine of A, your training of like your camp and whatnot and then the, I, it just feels so natural, man. I can't even like, like to to tell you if there's a ritual or like anything that I do before because I've just been doing it for so long mm. that like it feels normal. It feels a lot more normal to me like to be in that environment than it does to be in like the nine to five environment of like mm-hmm. working. Like when I was working, uh, I guess you could say a, a real job. It just felt like that's where I felt fucking lost, man. Mm. That's where I was like. Oh my god, I feel so uncomfortable and I'm scared and I feel vulnerable and I feel like this suit and tie that I'm wearing is might as well just be like a noose around my neck cuz I'm like I'm like so lost here. Mm. And I was like people could tell that I was lost here. Mm. Like they were like not lost in the sense like you don't know what you're incompetent and you don't know what you're doing, but like I had people keep coming up to me and being like why are you in this industry? Like why why are you why are you doing this? Like I'm like and I'd be like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, word. You have to understand, this is the bangle buller, baby. Yeah. You take the bangle out of the fucking jungle, mm. it's gonna go crazy. Yeah. You put that bangle buller tiger, that venom, back into the jungle, it's right where it wants to be, right where the prey is. You know what I'm saying? Habitat, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, don't mind me, Mark Pavlich, I'm sounding like you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd like to market, uh, however, I want to market KB. Yeah. Mind you, side note, Mark Pavlich is an incredible guy. Right, this Mark guy, Pavlich yeah, he's Edmonton, right? president of MFC. Now is uh, grind. 
Pavlich Grind now is a killer in the marketing business. So special shout out to Marky. And that one's free, free of charge. <laughs> now, what I'm trying to get at though is metaphorically, you take you know a, a tiger out of a jungle, you put him in a zoo, it's immediately uncomfortable. Mm. You put it back into its environment, it's no longer thinking about being scared of other prey that could attack it. It's, it's grew up in that. Mm. Same thing like KB, he grew up in that type of environment. And I even think to add to that when you prepare, unique thing is guys, is when you're signing up for a fight, you're about eight to 12 weeks out prior to that fight to get ready. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you essentially, your fight begins day one of camp. Mm-hmm. So what's unique is, you know, those nerves, yes, don't get me wrong, especially in the beginning, they're building up, they're yeah. building up. And it's, it is, can very well be nerve wracking every fight. For some people, it, it gets a little less and I see that in KB because it's so natural. However, it's, it's really cool to see that progression from day one of camp to getting ready come fight day and you feel like the fight already happened. Mm. In my eyes, from trainers that told us, because KB and I are training partners, is they always said, you know, the training camp should be tougher than the fight, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's not, oh, get your gloves on and fight every day. There's just, you should be working so hard doing absolutely everything you're doing uh, in mixed martial arts and in your classes to get you geared up. And when you get to the fight, you already kind of have all of your bases covered. So, so you're not like worried about anything. You're just no. completely focused on it's, destroying this other. It's just like the like the assemblance of supreme confidence. Like mm-hmm. it's, I think is what you're trying to do with like a camp, is like to get someone who ideally should already be in a, you know, physically fit state, but then taking them and and just sharpening the sword, and then you end up with this this finished product. All like hopefully. That is that embodies like supreme confidence when they can enter and, and compete. That's cool. So then let's let's ask you this, KB. Five years or I don't know however long you think it's going to take. Three years, seven years, whatever it is. Where would you ultimately like to be? That's going to be like the ultimate stepping stone for you in MMA or in personal training, whatever it is that you're chasing career-wise now. Like, so I've been getting this question a lot actually recently. Like now that I've kind of announced my return to MMA, but. Like ultimately, for for now, my focus is just on December seventh, which is the date of my next fight, and then you know I'll just keep I'll just keep rolling it forward after that. I don't want to like I don't want to make any like supreme predictions of like the future because for me this this already is a uh, is is a big step, and I just need to I need to put my focus on that, not on like thinking four, five, ten fights ahead just just right now. All right, so in terms of that, what's six months? What do you got? Do you have a fight coming up? Do you have, are you training for something specific? Right so now? December 6th, you said. December, December, yeah, December 7th. December 6th or well, 7th? I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be competing at a Unified MMA Unified. in Edmonton, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. So it's, the contract's been signed. I'm just, I've been, like, I've been steadily preparing in terms of just like steadily training for, I don't know, as long as I can remember. I don't really have lapses in when I stop training, so it's just been, just been busy with that. Just keep doing what I've what I've always been doing. And uh, the guy you're gonna be competing with, do you wanna do any uh, I shit don't, talking or no, no, I don't, I don't have a. <laughs> I just, I'm too bad at it. I can't, I can't shit talk worth shit. So, but I don't know who I'm competing against yet. So oh. not an announced opponent yet, but. 
once that's announced, you can find it out on social media and whatnot. Oh, so you guys, before you guys sign the contract, you actually don't know who you're going to compete against? Uh, not entirely. So you sign a bout agreement for like that just confirms that you'll be fighting and then you get a perhaps I believe a second contract after that for like the specific person and that and then it goes over your purse and whatnot so yeah it's pretty cool um let's ask you a couple more questions KB before sure, we dude. Yeah. Uh, recap here being that we're discussing MMA who would be your favorite MMA fighter mm. Good question. Oh, man. One or two. Who are some big, big guys in the game that you love watching and even you aspire to? Oh, man. I'm such a nerd with this. Um, Top three to come to I, The guys that I, I, I watch a lot, I guess in the bigger weight class, 185, I watch a lot of Luke Rockhold. Um, nice. You know, big, tall guy, big frame, similar similar dimensions as mine. Um, I'm really liking Sean O'Malley coming up. At one thirty-five, Kenny's <laughs> trying to think of who these people are. I know Luke Rockhold. You know what? KB and I constantly get uh, in this dilemma where he feels like I should watch more MMA and jujitsu stuff because I'm in the sport, and I had a tough time watching. That's okay. Secrets out. Secrets out. <laughs> I love competing in it, but I don't watch it as often. That's okay. That's as, really cool. uh, passionate as KB does, right? Um, I'll look up Sean O'Reilly. Great <laughs> 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 right, question. I just pulled it up. But yeah, yeah. Um, Khabib versus McGregor and I oh, believe dude. Had, yeah. so I want to definitely need your input on that that's an interesting fight because I think it's like the modern era of uh, supreme striker versus versus grappler but in that sense they're also good they're good at both mm-hmm. they just specialize in, in one form or the other uh, Khabib's got a relentless like in your face pace and good ground game very very good ground game and he's he's got suffocating top control mm-hmm. and with mcgregor he's he's a sniper man he's just a sniper with like supreme timing and accuracy. and just accuracy mm-hmm. and and power and he fights at weird angles you know he's got that He's got that that different karate stance, but but also with like very good boxing. Yeah. It makes for it makes for a really compelling matchup. I mean, I mean, Khabib is twenty six and old. Twenty six and old, yeah. Yeah, kind of watching, and of course, I'm cheering for him this time around because I think that um, that's what we're like. What I mentioned is what we're looking at with like skills on paper, but there's also like the intangibles mm-hmm. as well, yeah, and I think course, that that's what. Uh, McGregor. That's what McGregor just excels in. Yeah, like he, he's the best at beating you before the fight has even started. Yeah, and I think that everything he does, including that throwing that chair through the bus window, mm. is like deliberate. You know, he begins fighting you before you even actually physically enter the cage. So, so, he, so, what would you say you specialize in? I specialize in. Um, like what do you? What's your thing? I grew like growing up. I was always a, I was always a good striker, and then I'm the striking coach at at Hayabusa, the one of the gyms I train at. And um, over there, yeah, you know what? That's I'd say my striking is my specialty. But I've taken the last like this hiatus from the last three years of competing. I've been like I've still been actively and steadily competing in jujitsu and bringing up my ground game. So, I mean, even now, like I'd say. 
Yeah, I like I like it all. Mm. Like, I like the whole game. I like combat. Mm. Yeah. So KB, we're gonna ask you a couple more questions here. I think one thing that people would be interested in is you know when people think about KB Buller, especially locally, especially in the MMA scene. You know, they know you've been personal training. They know you're an MMA fighter. They know you made a big career change. You're well-educated. But if someone were to ask you, you know, well, what, what is something I don't know about KB and that he's doing now, what would, you, what would you say that is? What would be something you could tell the public that, you know, can kind of let us know a little bit more about you? Um, yeah, I mean, really what I'm doing is, uh, is entirely just dedicated in the realm of, like, martial arts and personal training everything that like i'm doing now i feel like like we were talking about before has like that that sense of alignment um and just ha like having that ability to know that each and every activity that you're involved in is has some sort of relation to one another is is empowering i don't i don't know if i if there's anything else I'd like to add to it, that's really all I'm doing. Well, you know what? I can answer that for my brother because he's so fucking serious right now. KB is an avid reader. So I think what's great is for the past couple months... Oh, here, I thought, dude, I thought that KB you were trying to like, get me to talk about like, no, like no, professionally what I'm not doing. Not at all, brother, because outside of personal life... Oh, we, uh, dude. Of, uh, uh, career life, sorry. Oh, my God. He's been trying to write... We've been reading books. Yes, thank you. <laughs> KB's You're been trying to start... <laughs> hey, for someone who almost pretty much got two degrees, he would say he is in a way, yeah, right? Dude. KB's been trying to start a book club, nice. right? So oh, for nice. anybody who's interested... I, I tried to ask two. Of, I tried to ask two of my homies to be like, "Hey, you guys want to try and read some books more?" <laughs> and they're both like, eh, "I don't know, man. I don't really like books." Yeah. KB would text me on a Friday night, 9 p.m. Right? He'd be like, "Dude, what are you doing tonight?" You know, we're in our 20s. We're young. I'm like, "Oh man, we're going out, gonna have fun." He's like, "Oh shit, no worries, man." Next day, morning. You know, we live together. Hey, man. He's like, "Hey, dude, what'd you do last night?" KB goes, oh, dude, just stayed home. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you just kicked it? Nah, dude, I read. Nice. I, I, I read my book. Nice. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. I, hey, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. on a Friday night, yeah, honestly. Of course. But it's just cool to see that this is something that people wouldn't know about. Yeah. Right? Well, so, KB, I would love to join you. Dude, <laughs> yeah. um, dude, we got The Shining going on here. We're reading Stephen King's The Shining. Okay. It's fucking amazing dude wait let me ask you sorry first uh, this book club is it non-fiction or fiction you know man I hate reading non-fiction I don't hate reading non-fiction I don't like reading non-fiction because I like stories man okay mm. KB's a dreamer too. I am no longer joining your book oh <laughs> my god dude how could you do that bro dude you're how gonna you have, do what books do you like reading in and out like what are that, you reading right now I actually read like non-fiction only? Yeah, only non. So you like? Are you like Kenny? Like you read like business help books yeah, and like yeah, and like self helps and. Those are great. Oh, great. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, I read I I, I have read uh, fiction books. Like I read Goosebumps growing up. That was like, you know, <laughs> one of the best. Yeah, that was good. KB used to read that in our little tiny basement. Yeah, and he would go all the way in the furnace area and gather all the troops, all the little cousins, <laughs> and he'd be like, "Guys, it's Goosebumps time," and yeah. all the cousins. <laughs> 
all the cousins would be <laughs> running downstairs <laughs> yeah. right away. Those he was, are, yeah, those he was are, the leader. Yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are fun books. Those um, were, yeah. But um, no, I, right now I, I, I mostly focus on nonfiction. Because again, I, I feel like you get a lot of value from fiction. Again, yeah. The storyline and, and, and the, the character and all that stuff. I just, uh, my personal opinion on it is, is if I'm going to read, if I'm going to make that time to read, I, I want to read something that's going to potentially, um, something I can apply. Educate. But you don't I like engrossing yourself in like some riveting story? You know, no. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> he said like no, no, no story. <laughs> no, he hasn't, he hasn't given it a chance. No, no, yeah, no you, you gotta give it a chance. He has to give it a chance right now. Yeah, when we were kids, it's different. Yeah, right? yeah that's true. Yeah. I haven't given it a chance. So maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe my again, my again, my opinion only. Um, it's just a matter of you know. I've seen those Harry Potter. I've always actually wanted to read Harry Potter books. Yeah, just because yeah. they're just you know they they've been known one of the best books written and so forth That's and whatnot. I want to read them, but what scares me is when I look at them, and and also what scares me, I feel like if I get to like you know the middle of one book, I might just be too hooked to not let it go, yeah. and I might just go get through the show. whole seven oh, series okay. of it, and they're like this thick. Oh, I you just, will, but it's a journey. Yeah, I know, I know. Right? Yeah, but that's what scares me. That's why I like reading nonfiction books because I can just skip through the pages or or the chapters that I like, and I can just okay. take out some information, and then you need that app. There's a one app now, I think called. I'm trying to remember it. But it's like read a book in 15 minutes. It oh, takes out all, yeah, it extracts all of the key information that you need out of that book. Yeah, yeah, which no, is great for nonfiction. That's guys. not what no you way. wanted. Dude. Here's what's good though with KB. That's not what you wanted. You want to read They the do thing. that to people they, now? That's crazy. I didn't know that. Oh my Whoa, God. Welcome that's to the tragic. World. Welcome to the world of instant gratification. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Generation Z. They want it now. They don't want to read the whole book. They don't have time for that shit. Right, but but adding to that, <laughs> I, don't, I can't believe this is a real thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I didn't know that adding, was either. adding to that point, though. Um, I've kind of done some research on people who do read, you know, a book a, a book a day or a book a week, or just these crazy people who just love reading. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, and and the, when I said like I like to you know sometimes skip through the chapters yeah. because I just want to take out what I can relate to. Yeah. Um, yeah that's that's what they it's something i've learned from them because they say well there's no physical way to actually read a whole book in a week unless you're spending four or five hours a day doing it yeah. especially if a book is long Those right cheaters but <laughs> but but if if you want to read like an average ceo you know of, of a big corporation usually reads you know i don't know 40 50 books a year or something there's some stats like that right yeah the only way that <laughs> the only way they can do that is, I mean, Warren Buffett, right? He reads, I don't know, like hundred books a year. Or so, like, he just yeah. he just reads every day yep. for like two, three hours. But again, he doesn't need to be at work. He doesn't. He, he can't take yeah, that time out and fully read a book. But somebody who's building a company or somebody who's working depends or on depends on the time. So if you can only spend hour a day reading a book, you it's gonna take you a month to just finish one book. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go through, again, if you utilize that app, Blinkist, and you basically, um, that's a not paid promotion. Um, if you do, if you utilize that app and you take out, you know, 15 minutes of your day and you take out all the good information from one book, well, you essentially read that book and you got what the whole point behind the book is. Yeah. So so there's that. I like that. Yeah. You even answered my question about what value you get out of nonfiction. Yeah. Now, I think with KB, here's the beautiful thing mm-hmm. about knowing this guy inside out. He reads these stories, 
And then that translates into him being able to create amazing stories himself. Mm. Because when I'm you a, put this guy on stage, or <laughs> secret tell, he can create stories oh, at the top I, yeah, of his we head brilliantly. That. Yeah, we witnessed yeah. that. Right? And yeah. I feel like that's a testament to obviously seeing how many books he reads on the side yeah. and all of them being stories. Yeah. Right? And I'm sure Yusuf says it. He's a, he's witnessed that because KB just the other week when we shot that commercial with the team here sitting there, <laughs> KB whipped out that British accent. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? Did you believe it, Yusuf? No. We did talk about it after, and we were like, well, maybe he did keep it up for the whole night. So maybe actually, I believed it because in the, the whole beginning, night, I, the whole night, because I was like, yo. He There's no way somebody yeah. Because in the, the beginning, night. I questioned him a lot. I was just like, dude, like I, I you know what I mean? Something threw me off. But when he did it for the whole night, I asked. I was like, dude, like he actually did it for the whole night. Maybe it is true. Maybe it is yeah. his accent. But yeah, no, you that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and and then that day when you guys were out, I was watching him, and he was like, because he needed to like make the whole group laugh, and he was coming up with these chicken on the way stories and like these these random stories that were actually like just. <laughs> funny just the way he was actually just the way he was um you know communicating that and 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 presenting it it was just hilarious yeah yeah so he had good delivery he had good accent to go with it and dude we had a we had a good time that was fun yeah that was a lot of fun parking io baby that that stuff's gonna start off in india yeah this is our third advertisement. I don't know. I just shameless plugs all over at the end of this podcast. We just have like 20 links. All the places. All over the video. Just like advertising. You might as well utilize it without following, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. We're I guess we're natural performers. I don't know. Like we like we like doing that kind of stuff. It's easy for us. So would us, you be good like, on stage? Would you could be good at speaking or writing? Yeah. You I like think stories, so, yes. right? So stories would link into writing or maybe speaking or... Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think both of them, like Kenny and I both, we've just always kind of thrived when we're given a stage. Like mm. we, we just mm. like that. We like that environment. Um, we're comfortable in that environment. Mm. And I think... I bet you if you did some like Freudian subliminal look into our minds, like perhaps like there'd be some reason why there that we need we we do that. But like, I don't know. I just yeah. I've always felt comfortable performing. Like even it helps me when I'm fighting because, like, I don't get stage fright. Mm. Even when another man is trying to pummel me to death, like like I I'm not I'm I'm feeling relatively comfortable competing. I've always felt relatively comfortable talking in front of people comfortable and I think same thing with Kenny too you know what's unique about that and I feel like I'm a big like I love when KB goes on these huge scientific journeys in terms of how and why we think that now and I'll always love to dig deep into the mm. past right so I'll look back into our upbringing and I truly believe both our parents they they raised us in a way where they very much so liked getting entertained by us. It was encouraged, right? Mm. So they never like shut it down when my brother and or I <laughs> were being funny, right? Mm, or yeah. like being like silly, like coming into the living room, going la 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 la, like doing some silly dance. Any other parent would be like, "Stop what the fuck you're doing now, the stupid! <laughs> Go to your bed. This is bestie," which yeah. means embarrassing. Yeah. They, you know, they would whip out their camera. They'd be like, "Do it, yeah, that's so good." Yeah. So like something my dad did growing up to both of us would be for instance like we'd get a kick out of it when we could just like get our parents attention mm. so mm. we would do something like a silly dance and then when let's say family came over audience pressure 
My dad would then go, Gaby, 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 get Kenny, get Kenny, go, go, bring, bring Kenny. And there's like all of our uncles, all of our aunts sitting there. And then KB is running up the stairs and being like, yo, dude, dad needs us. And then, you know, brings me down. And then my dad goes, okay, Kenny, KB, do your dance. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, pressure's on, right? Like your dad, like you're seven years old, 11 years old. You're like, oh, man. Like, yeah. you feel pressured. You want to say no. And he's like, do your dance. <laughs> and about everybody. And all of a sudden, that first, you're yeah. nervous. But yeah. eventually, you start dancing. And yeah, everyone's yeah, laughing. Yeah, having a good time. And you just accept it. Exactly. Right? All eyes are on you. You're having a good time. And you realize, I'm the fucking entertainer. Yeah. And I need to keep dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Until my father says stop. Right? But it's so funny. Because that's just how we grew up. Yeah. Right? Right? Like, it was never money, discouraged. Money rolling. Oh, bro. Dancing, like, exactly. You know, Indian family, a dollar bill comes up, right? <laughs> and you just keep doing it. Keep harder. It's like, dad's like, harder. <laughs> I'm going to make something. Come on. Dude, it was the best, man. And my so, dad, to this day, right? We'll get yeah. a kick out of it. So it was encouraged uh, growing up. And that he encouraged your confidence to put yourself out there and get that. Yeah, right. yeah, he's he's always been like that. Even with even now, like my dad, my dad would see me coming home from like uh, a long day of like working an office job shift. He'd see me sitting on the desk, still like trying to answer emails and whatnot. And he'd be like, "What the fuck you're doing?" <laughs> and then, like, you can imagine this. Like, imagine like everything that he Kenny just told you that he encouraged, and then what he's discouraging. And then, like, as a parent and as a, a parent-child relationship, like, that's always going to affect you no matter what. So yeah. it was like, it was like, oh, man, my dad hates what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> but he was right. He was right. Uh, it was about in that office job, that accounting? Nine months, man, but it felt like 20 years. Mm. I'm not even kidding. Like, it, it was just, it was, mm, it was yeah, just like a long, long, it felt like a long, long time. Mm. Like, you, you, I feel like any time in life when you're starting to really try to pay attention to like when something is going to stop is when you maybe shouldn't involve yourself with that kind of activity, right? Like something that is just like the time is not passing by quicker. Yeah. Like when you're in that flow state of doing what you like to do, time goes by fast, mm-hmm. but it was not like that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No word. It's very true. On that note, man, you know what? I feel like we'd like to have uh, time to ask you, where can people, audience, fans, uh, the general public follow you? Uh, where, where do you stay live and where do you stay constant on maybe social media? And where can people find you if they want to do personal training with you? Um, how can we get a hold of you right now? Uh, if you want to join the book club. At, you know what? Yeah. If you guys, I'm a, I'm a long, long way from being able to have fans. But, hey, if you would like to join my book club, you can follow me at uh, Bengal Buller on Instagram. Is that Ben Gal? Ben Gal? Ben Gal. Buller? Ben Gal Buller. And, uh, yeah, follow me. We can, we can get you started. On, on which? On what What account, sorry? Uh, the platform would be Intergram. 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 Wow. Is that a new one? It's a new one. <laughs> nice. Nice. This is the one where they only show photos for like a second. Right? One second. That's oh, all you get. Yeah. Instagram. 
Perfect. You got no, it, buddy. No. Yeah. Well, KB, we'd like to actually thank you for your time out of your way. No, thanks for having me, guys. On Labor Day, you know, this is fantastic. I'm so glad we had got to have you on the show. Our first podcast with a guest is officially yeah. in the books. You guys did one before this? This, we did one, just us three. Oh, just nice. Us three. Cool. We did a practice run, yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. And uh, do you have any last words, brother? No, I'm good. I'm good. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thank that was fantastic, all. Google. Hey. All right, man. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being second part floor. of the second floor and uh, our, I guess, first episode for the YG Spotlight. So nice. This is uh, I'm happy to be awesome. here. Yeah. This was awesome. Yeah. That's a wrap, boys. Thank you. That's a wrap. All right.